I have spent years defending some of the worst people who ever lived. But the most evil man I ever knew was never once accused of a crime. Nothing, not even curiosity, could have made me attend his funeral had he died in his sleep. But Calvin Jeffries had been murdered, and I felt an obligation as someone who practiced in the criminal courts to attend the services of the only trial judge to become the victim of a homicide. Surrounded by strangers, I sat in the crowded church and listened to the eulogy. There were words about justice and public service and honor and goodwill, words about family and friends and how much the honorable Judge Jeffries would be missed, words which made everyone feel better because the lie is so much more comfortable than the truth. At the end, when there was nothing left to say, the widow of Calvin Jeffries placed a rose on top of his flag-draped coffin, waited until the pallbearers were ready, and then, turning around, walked at the head of the procession as it moved down the aisle. Even the light that streamed through the stained glass windows failed to penetrate the heavy black veil that covered her face, and I wondered as she passed by me, what emotions were masked behind it? Outside, under a harsh blue sky, the mourners watched while the coffin was lifted into the back of a sleek, shiny hearse. The judge's widow was helped into the first of a half-dozen waiting limousines, and moments later, with two police motorcycles leading the way, the cortege began the long, slow journey to the cemetery. The bitter March wind stung the side of my face and watered my eyes. I pulled my topcoat close around my throat and began to jostle my way down the church steps. I was in a hurry to get away. Now that it was over, I wanted to forget all about the late, lamented Calvin Jeffries. As I turned up the sidewalk, I almost ran into Harper Bryce. Any comments you'd care to make, Mr. Antonelli? He asked. Bryce, who had covered the courthouse as a newspaper reporter longer than I had practiced law, was standing in front of me. His tie flapped outside his button jacket, and his eyes squinted into the wind. I made no reply other than to shake my head, and we trudged up the street without exchanging a word, until he asked me if I wanted to stop somewhere for a drink. It's a little early, isn't it? On the next block, in one of the old buildings with the date of its construction embedded in stone above the entrance, a bar and grill was just opening its doors. We ordered at the empty bar and carried our drinks to a wooden table next to a dusty brick wall, covered with the autographed pictures of people once famous or important and now long forgotten. With a slow, heavy breath, Harper drew the chair as close as his expansive stomach would allow, hunched his sloping shoulders forward, and rested his arms on the edge of the table. Here's to Judge Jeffries, he said, as he lifted his glass. When he finished, he cocked his head, waiting for me to explain why I had not joined him. Most people liked him, he reminded me. I nodded and then took a drink. Whatever you thought of him, you have to give him credit, Harper went on. He wrote most of the law, most of the procedural law in this state. He had a brilliant legal mind. You have to give him that. The liquor had reached my stomach, and I remembered I had not had anything to eat. You have to give him that, Harper was still insisting as I got up from the table.
At the bar, I exchanged the drink for a cup of coffee and ordered bacon and eggs. I'm having breakfast, I told him as I sat down. You want something? He started to shake his head, then changed his mind. I'll have the same thing, he yelled across the empty room. Don't you think he had a brilliant legal mind? Hopper asked, curious why I seemed so reluctant to agree. You want me to tell you about the first time I ever met him? I asked. The bartender brought breakfast. I had a case that had to be set for trial. Jeffries liked to do these things in chambers. When he got to my case, he leaned back in his chair, a big smile on his face, and said, Tell your client if he pleads guilty, he'll get probation, but if he goes to trial, he goes to prison. I looked at Harper as I cradled the warm coffee mug in my hands. I was young, new, more interested in saying something smart than doing something wise. I couldn't let it go.